Hi, well, welcome back. As Tim said, my name's Tom, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Hope Church, and just going to unpack some things from the Bible for us today. Tomorrow is a big day for our nation. Boris Johnson's going to be going on our TV screens to announce the roadmap out of lockdown. And many of us will be asking the question, when is all of this going to be over? When am I going to be able to see my family again? When am I going to be able to see my friends again? When am I going to be able to go to the gym again? I haven't been asking that question. You might be wondering. When am I going to be able to go to the pub again and enjoy a drink with my friends? When am I going to be able to go to church again and sing my heart out with hundreds of other people? When am I going to be able to do these things again? When am I going to be able to watch Ipswich Town play again? I don't think many of you have been asking that question on recent form. But thousands of us, hundreds of thousands of us, in fact, have been Googling when will lockdown end. It's, it's a kind of longing within for a return to normality that kind of, if we're not careful, can become for us something of a salvation thing. We kind of look to the end of lockdown as then everything will be well in the world. Everything will suddenly return to glorious sunshine and we'll be skipping down the street, high-fiving everyone on the way to the gym or to the pub and we'll be hugging everyone as we go and nothing will be wrong in the world. Everything will be right again. And when we think about it for just a moment, if we try to cast our mind to back before this pandemic last March, we know that life before the pandemic wasn't perfect. We know that there was a deep longing in our heart. We know that there was things in our lives that were just causing us misery. There were things in our lives that got us down. There were things in our hearts that we just longed for a day when some things would be over. Suffering and sickness and habits in our lives that we just want to say goodbye to forever. If we think about it, kind of the end of lockdown isn't really going to bring a great salvation to us. Yes, things will be easier in many, many ways. And we're rightly looking forward to it. But it's not the salvation that we are longing for. The longing that we kind of experience is kind of a bit like what the people of Israel were experiencing in the time of Jesus, because they hadn't had some disruption to their lives for just a year. By the time that the story that we're going to read today has come about, the people of Israel had been under Roman rule for about a hundred years, and there had been troops on the streets. There had been all kinds of new things that they had to get used to, new languages they had to learn, new ways of doing business to kind of fit in with the Roman rule. It was an oppression. It was something that they lived under, a cloud that was over their nation. And the people longed for a day when all of that would be over. They longed for a day when the Romans would be defeated and Israel would be great again. And in their minds, in their narrative as a nation, they were longing for and expecting a Messiah. They were longing for someone who would come and in their view, come and put the Romans in their place. He would rise up against the Romans, a mighty warrior, and would come, put the Romans in their place and maybe even lead a charge against Rome itself so that Israel would one day be great again. So that Israel would one day not be pushed around by other nations, that they would come back to the glory days. They longed for that day again. And this is the context into which the question is asked of Jesus, when will the kingdom come? That's what we read right at the beginning of today's passage, which is in Luke chapter 17. So if you have a Bible, you might like to turn there, although the verses will come up on your screen. One day, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They didn't really like Jesus very much at all. One day, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. 
Then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning that Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Let's pray, shall we? Let's ask God to touch our hearts through this message Heavenly Father, we come to you and ask that you would illuminate some things to us from your word today. Would you give us clarity and help our lives to be changed as we take these things to heart? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at some more of the verses in this passage a little later, but I want to unpack some things today, some truths about the kingdom of God that I believe will be foundational for us that I believe if we take them to heart, they will enable us to build well individually and as a church. If we don't take these to heart, then I believe we could be in danger of being blown around by all kinds of winds of teaching. You know, right now there's so much kind of wrong teaching out there that we could go after and would make us kind of flimsy as believers. There's also kind of, there's loads and loads of change going on in our society. Loads and loads of stuff that seems opposing God's word, opposing God's truth. Some of you, you've grown up through incredible change in your lifetime. Some of you who grown up through the 60s and the 70s, you saw the sexual revolution and all of the massive change that came with it. And it hasn't stopped. It's continuing to this day. I mean, this week, an NHS trust in England has barred the use of the word breastfeeding and now preferring to use the word chest feeding so it doesn't kind of uh, eliminate or um, uh, put, put other people out of their noses out of joint because it would, might offend people from certain communities. This is a huge change that's going on in our nation. And so we need to be people who are built on some truth. We need to be people who are really built on some things so that we're not swaying about all over the place. And I really do believe that today's teaching will be some foundational stuff that we need to kind of get our heads on, heads around, get our hearts, get into our hearts so we can build strong and something that actually will seem completely different to the rest of the world. When we're steady people, sure of some things, we will seem very different to the world, which isn't sure of much. Changes that we're seeing this week will be completely different in 10 years' time. So we need to be steady people. So the first thing I want to pull out is this. The kingdom of God is already among us. This is what Jesus says to the Pharisees and to his followers that are around him. He says the kingdom of God is already among us. He says two things about it. That the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. He's saying that there's no, there's no place on earth that you kind of go into and then you're entering into the kingdom of God. There's no border or road signs that say, here we are, you are now entering the kingdom of God. And it can't be detected in, in political goings on either. Some people get very excited about goings on in the Middle East and kind of keep tabs on what's happening there because they think it's signs of the kingdom of God advancing. Well, Jesus says it can't be detected by visible signs. It's not like, well, you can say it's happening over there. Well, this guy has announced this, this politician has announced this, and that means that the kingdom of God is here. 
No, it can't be detected by visible signs. And he says the kingdom of God is already among you. Your translation might say the kingdom of God is already within you. Most translations would translate it as among you or in your midst. And that makes sense as well because he wouldn't say to the Pharisees the kingdom of God is within you because they didn't trust in him. They didn't see him as king. He's saying the kingdom of God is already here. Already at this point, the kingdom of God has started to break out on the earth. As people came to see Jesus as their king, as they experienced his power, as they, see, as they saw him heal people and deliver people of oppressive spirits, as they saw him bring freedom for people, freedom for the captives, as he lifted up those who were outcast and oppressed, the kingdom of God had started to break out on the earth. The kingdom of God was already being experienced and the kingdom of God is ever expanding. Jesus his kingdom is ever expanding. This, this would have been shocking for the Pharisees to take on board, that the kingdom of God is already amongst them. Because as I said already, they had this expectation of what the Messiah would come and do. They had this expectation that the Messiah would be a military leader who would lead a revolt against the Romans. And there's no sign of it at this point. Jesus is hanging out with a load of losers. They're not looking like a very good army. It's not looking like he's the kind of guy who's going to lead an army against the might of Rome. Jesus defies our expectations. He comes as a baby. He comes, he's born low into a family of relative poverty in an obscure kind of barn or whatever it might have been that he was born into. And then as a toddler, he narrowly avoids being murdered by King Herod. He grows up as a teenager, just obedient to his parents, learning his dad's business, becomes a carpenter, and in his adult life hangs out with some people that just you just wouldn't choose for your kind of glorious crack team who's going to take on an empire. He defies expectations. And yet the kingdom of God is already among them. And the kingdom of God, friends, today is expanding day by day by day. You won't hear it in the news. The news covers all kinds of uh, doom and gloom right now. You won't hear it in the news, but thousands of people are becoming Christians every week. Right across the world, thousands of people are placing their faith in Jesus coming to know him as their king, experiencing healing, deliverance, salvation. Thousands of people week in, week out are coming to know Jesus. The kingdom of God is ever expanding and the Bible promises that it will go on expanding. In Isaiah 9, which is a, a passage that we, we really need to get into our hearts, it says that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no end to the increase of his kingly rule. There'll be no end to it. And wherever his kingly rule goes, there'll be peace in hearts. There'll be peace with God. And there'll be no end to that increase. This is something we need to take to our hearts. It will make us steady as we realize God is in control. And, and that passage ends with the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. If you want any guarantee that something's going to get done, well, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God is, is so zealous that his name will be glorified in all the earth. He's, he's so zealous that, that, the, 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 that the earth will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of God, just as the waters cover the sea. He's so zealous that his son will be championed and glorified and worshipped right across the earth, that it will be accomplished. There's no doubt about it. There's no danger of it not happening. It will come to pass. And we need to let that steady us because sometimes we can be threatened by change or opposition. We can be threatened by things that seem to come on the horizon. You think, how on earth are we going to respond to this? Well, the kingdom of God isn't threatened. 30 years after these words that Jesus spoke here, 
There's a great fire in Rome. It devastates the city. And, and the emperor Nero, he blames it on the Christians. And Christians end up being thrown to the lions. They're made into human candlesticks. They're brutally treated. And many of them run and scatter, understandably. And what happens as they're scattered? They take the gospel with them. And the church in Rome actually thrives, but the church thrives in places where it's never gone before. The gospel goes to new places. The kingdom of God is ever expanding. And it's like you blow out one of those fake candles on your birthday and it just keeps coming back. Well, it's, it's like that, but when you blow on it, it just spreads. The fire spreads even more. This is comforting news. The kingdom of God is here and it's ever expanding. Last century in China... Communist Party made Christian, Christian, Christianity illegal, threw pastors in prison, had pastors killed. Millions of people come to faith. It's one of the largest churches in the world now. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. No one can get in his way. No one can hinder his plans to glorify his name in all the earth. So we need to let that steady us, friends. Otherwise, we're going to be feeling threatened by every wind of change that comes our way. Feeling, well, what are we going to do now this legislation's come in? What are we going to do now that party's now in power? No, we need to understand God's kingdom is going to go on advancing. The second thing we see here is that the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. Jesus speaks of the day. He speaks of the day of the Son of Man. And he's clearly speaking of a day that is to come. He says it's going to have to come after the Son of Man has suffered terribly and be rejected by this generation. He's talking about the cross that he would go to and die in our place for the sins of the world where he'd be crushed for our iniquity, where the one who never, ever did anything wrong, who never crumbled under pressure, who never caved into temptation, where he would go and he would lay down his life, where he would be crushed for us. He's talking about that, and he's saying to this generation, you're not going to see the day of my return. It's in the future. There's going to come a great day when I will return. And he says a couple of things about this. He firstly says that, my return will be unmistakable. It will be like lightning filling the sky. Now, when there's a, a thunderstorm and there's lightning in the sky, it's unmistakable. You don't speak to your neighbour the next day and say, hey, did you see the storm last night? And they, they don't turn around and say, I don't think it was a storm, actually. I think it was just the lamppost flickering. And I think someone was putting their bins out. <laughs> there's no kind of mistake here. Now that you know there's been a lightning storm. You know that the sky is filled with bright flashes of light. It's an unmistakable thing. There's not going to be some kind of rumour. Oh, did you hear Jesus? Is, he's back. He's in Australia. And he's getting a team together, getting ready to sort things out. No, no, no. This is an unmistakable thing. This is, Jesus is going to return and every eye will see him. Even those who reject him. Even those who don't want to worship him. Every eye will see him. It will be unmistakable. And it will be sudden, Jesus says. And he refers back to some Old Testament stories. The story of Noah and the story of Lot. And he says that things will be going on as normal. There'll be parties and banquets and weddings and people will be doing business, getting rich, going on holidays. There'll be just life as normal. And suddenly he will return. Suddenly he will burst back onto the scene. It will be unmistakable and sudden. And friends, I, I really want to appeal to you, just as Jesus, Jesus does in this passage. He says, don't follow those who say, He's back. He's over here. He's come back. Don't, don't get caught up in getting sucked into when will Jesus come back. People have done that over the years. They've made all sorts of predictions, looking at 
obscure passages from the books of Daniel and Revelation and saying, well, that event there must be that event. There must be the Vietnam War and therefore Jesus is going to come back in this particular date. People do it today. They look at some things going on in the world and say, well, that person was elected as president and that must mean we're in this particular era and and therefore on the fourth Tuesday of 2023, Jesus is going to come back. They look at these things and they, they do all kinds of, you know, arithmetic with it all. And there's an approach to prophecy that is more concerned about solving intellectual puzzles than it is about experiencing the power of God. It's more concerned about being right and being puffed up through, I've got some secret knowledge. I know some things about when Jesus is going to come back. That thing there in Revelation is, is that politician or that world event. And, and there's no concern really about the mission that we have. We've got a very clear mission. Is Jesus going to come back next week? I don't know. When's he going to come back? I have no idea. It's closer now than it was 20 minutes ago when I started speaking. But am I going to spend the next 40 or 50 years of my life burying my head into YouTube videos, watching some experts, in inverted commas, talking about when Jesus is going to come back? No, I'm not. Because I've got a clear understanding of what the mission of God is. The mission of God is to go. It's not go to the internet and read some weird websites. It's to go to all the nations and make disciples of people teaching them everything that Jesus has commanded them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, forming wonderful communities of love, which is the church. This is the mission. If you want to know some really deep, mysterious secrets, go to Ephesians 3, where Paul says there's a mysterious plan, and he lets us in on what the mysterious plan is. The mysterious plan is that God would display his manifold wisdom to the world through the church. (laughs) That's what's going on in the world. He wants to display to the the, the authorities in the world his glorious wisdom through the church. That's, That's the mysterious plan. It's not very complicated. We've got a clear mission. We don't get caught up in conspiracy theories. The Bible actually has a lot to say about conspiracy theories. I'll summarize it for you. It says don't go anywhere near them. (laughs) <laughs> don't, don't look at YouTube videos saying the vaccines that are being rolled out are some microchips that are, you know, Bill Gates is planting into us. It's nonsense. Don't go there. It will do nothing. It will, it will not build you up in any way. There's a clear mission we've been given, and it's to go to the ends of the earth. So the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. It's going to come one day when Jesus returns. When he, when he comes back, all things are going to be made new. There's going to be no more sin and sickness and suffering and death. It's going to be wiped away. Every tear is going to be wiped away. Jesus is going to return. But the kingdom is not yet fully here. So we, we live with some mystery now because the kingdom is both now and not yet. It's both now and not yet. We need to have great expectations of God now because he's with us. He's given us a great mission and he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live within us. So we can have great expectations of God. I do believe that the Bible would not, would not have us believe that the church is going to kind of shrink and shrink and shrink until there's a tiny remnant left holding on. And so when Jesus comes back, there's just a few uh, people left who have really been faithful to the end. Now, I do believe that the Bible speaks of a glorious future for the church. I believe that in places like Isaiah 2, we, we see that the mountain of the house of the Lord is going to rise higher than all the other mountains and the nations are going to flood to it. I believe that's speaking of the church. That's not a prophetic word that's been fulfilled yet. I believe that's speaking of a day to come where there's going to be a glorious church worldwide. But the, the, the world is going to keep getting darker. But the church is going to keep shining brighter. 
And so I'm expectant. I'm, I'm expectant of healing. I'm expectant of miracles. I'm expectant of salvation. I believe we're going to see many people saved coming into the kingdom of God because he is within us and greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world. We have God's power and presence living within us. That should lead to us having great expectations of what he's going to do. I hope you have great expectations. I hope you pray, God, raise my faith, raise my expectations of what you're going to do in and through your church. I believe for this church, for Hope Church, that this is going to continue to grow. I believe that many are going to come to salvation. I believe that we might number over a thousand one day. But I'm also believing that we're going to send many people on from this church. I believe that in our new building, which we are going to be moving to in July, uh, we hope, um, I believe we're going to be sending many people on from that building in the years to come, praying for them, saying, this person, this group of people, this couple, they're going to go to X place to go and share the gospel. I believe we're going to do that lots, friends. I believe there's going to be some moments where we're tearful, actually, saying goodbye to some people as they go off on mission. I'm expectant of that. I'm really expecting it. Listen, friends, I I really, I don't believe we're to to kind of think, well, the church is just going to have to hide away and kind of be in self-preservation mode for however long it takes until Jesus comes back. He's got things for us to do. He's got a glorious future for us. I actually believe it's a bit like the book of Acts. I believe that the end times began when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. And so the book of Acts is actually quite a good picture for us of what we're to expect. We're to expect advance of the gospel. We're to expect people to come to know Jesus. We're to expect multiplication, church planting. We're to expect healings and miracles. We're to expect favour in some circumstances. But we're also to expect opposition and darkness. We're to expect those things. The church... In one moment in Acts is knowing the favour of the city. People are speaking highly of them. There's amazing things going on. And then in another chapter, the church is facing persecution. Apostles are being thrown in prison. You can't speak about Jesus. They're being charged. But I think this is what we're to expect, friends. But the church is going to go on shining bright. It's going to go on advancing. The gospel of Jesus will go to the ends of the earth. And then the end will come. We're to expect great things and we're to live with a bit of mystery as well because we are in a time when the kingdom has not yet fully come. So sometimes when we have great expectations of what God's going to do, it might be that we don't see a healing straight away when we pray for someone. We, we live with that mystery because the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be things that we can't get our heads around. There's going to be opposition. But we go on expecting great things of our God. Let's bring this into land, shall we? How, how should we live in the light of these things? In the light of the fact that the kingdom is already amongst us? In the light of the fact that the kingdom is not yet fully here? And that it's now and, and not yet? How do we live in light of this? Well, I believe we're to live with readiness. We're, this is what Jesus says here. He talks about the stories of Noah and Lot, and the point is, be ready. He, he tells a lot of parables, Jesus does, about a master who goes away and comes back and, and the point of the parable is not that the servants kind of, you know, do some study and work out exactly when he's going to come back. The point is that they need to be ready. They need to be dressed with readiness. And my parents' generation, they, they grew up in this era of the Cold War, and there was, a, there was a readiness for a nuclear strike at any moment. This was a much rehearsed thing for people of that generation. They were expectant of something that would completely turn the world upside down. 
They're expectant of that. And we're not to live in a fear of, you know, Jesus is going to come back. We're to actually live with an eager anticipation. One of the last verses of the Bible, it says that the, the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. We're, we're to have this eager anticipation within. Come, Lord Jesus, come back. We, we want you to come back, Lord Jesus. That's to be in our hearts. That's to be our cry. I hope that's in your prayer life. I hope you pray, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're going to come back. This, his return isn't some add-on to the gospel. <laughs> it's not, you know, he died for our sins and rose again. Oh, and by the way, he's also going to come back. No, this is the gospel. He's going to come back. He's going to make all things new. We're going to be with him in a glorious eternity with new bodies. Don't decay. No more sin and corruption in the world. He's coming back. I hope that you, this is in your prayer life. I hope that you rehearse this with your families, just as families would have done in the Cold War, saying, if there's ever the siren sounding, this is what we do. I hope you rehearse with your families, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back. The other day we were at breakfast and reading the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the, this, this, it was the last chapter all about Jesus' return. And a half an hour before we read that, I was reading the similar kind of verses in, in Revelation in my adult Bible. And as we unpacked the Jesus Storybook Bible with the kids, I was in floods of tears at the table. And just, just showing my kids how excited I am about Jesus' return. I hope you're excited about Jesus' return. I hope you long for the day. I hope you're praying about it. I hope that this is something that you comfort one another with. He's going to return. There will come a day when all things will be made new. Don't be found not ready. This is what it says in, in Revelation 16. Jesus says, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. Some of us working from home in, in recent months, we've known that panic when there's been a knock at the door and the Amazon deliveries come and we're still in our pyjamas or we're still in some scruffy clothes and we have to quickly throw some things on in order to answer the door. Jesus is saying, don't be, be ready. Be ready. Don't be found burying your face in YouTube videos that are going to be doing you no good. Don't be wasting your time in all kinds of other things. Be ready. Be ready. Give yourself fully to me. It's going to look like losing some things in our life. This is what Jesus says in the verses that we didn't cover. He says in verse 33, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. This is similar to what he said previously. Those who want to keep their hold of some things, they want to cling to some things, you'll lose it. Why don't you today write Jesus a, a blank check and say, it's all yours, Jesus. All of this is yours. My life is yours. I belong to you. I want to live for your glory. This is what we sang this morning. I want to take my life, all of me, everything. I want to live for you. I want to be ready when the time comes. It might be tomorrow. It might be 100 years from now. I want to be ready. I don't want to be found kind of just fumbling around in the darkness. Let's live lives of readiness. And friends, if, if you're watching on and you don't know this Jesus, I want to appeal to you to, to get into the ark. Get into the ark. This is the story you're probably familiar with. It kind of gets airbrushed a little bit in children's books. This nice, sweet story about some animals getting on a boat with a nice, pretty rainbow. But there was a flood that came in Noah's day. It wiped out everyone. Those who got onto the ark were safe. 
And the Bible makes it clear there is a flood coming. Jesus is going to bring the right wrath of God to the earth. You need to be in the ark, friends. You need to throw yourself upon Jesus. You need to get in his boat. Say, Jesus, I I belong to you. It says in, in Romans chapter 10, in verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it looks like to get in the ark, to throw yourself on Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I, I, I declare with my mouth, you are Lord. You're, you, I belong to your king. I'm coming into your kingdom. I'm not living for my kingdom. I'm not living to, to kind of make my life look so glorious. This is the only salvation that counts, guys. It's, it's not the end of lockdown. It's not enjoying that pint with friends at the pub. It's not getting back to normality. The only salvation that counts is to know eternity with Jesus, to know him now and forever. This is, this is the only thing. We've got reason to celebrate if we know Jesus. We've got reason to celebrate now. We don't have to wait till the summer and all of the up, you know, opening up of society. We've got reason to celebrate now. Listen, you can celebrate now as well. You can celebrate now, even though life is difficult. You can celebrate by coming into the kingdom of God and knowing salvation. So I want to pray for you. If you're at home right now, just watching on, if you just want to give your life to Jesus, why don't you just declare that to him? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us as well, watching on those that already belong to Hope Church. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we want to declare you as king. We want to say, Lord Jesus, you're king of our lives. We're, in, we're so glad to be in your kingdom. So glad to know your kingly rule. And Lord Jesus, we want to live lives of readiness. Not fumbling around in things that we, we don't want to be in when you return. Lord, we want to be living in readiness. Readiness for the glorious future that we have with you. Lord Jesus, would you help us? Would you help us to live with your sure and certain return in our minds? Help us not to get caught up in uh, all kinds of intricacies and things that we think will, uh, will, will puff us up. Lord, we want to get caught up in the mission that you have for us, which is to go. Lord, we want to get caught up in these things. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone watching on who doesn't yet know you, who's not got onto the ark. Lord, I pray that right now, there will be a, a, a moment of salvation. Lord, a, a line in the sand, as it were. I'm, this is it now. I'm stepping in. I'm stepping into the ark. I'm throwing myself into Jesus and all that he has for me. I'm not going back. Lord God, would you bring salvation right now? Right across this area. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have got a bright future ahead of us. We've got a bright future with you in eternity, but in this life now, we've got glorious things. We've got advance of your kingdom to be a part of, Lord, and we're expectant. Lord, we are expectant and we pray you would raise our faith, raise our expectancy for what you're going to do through us. Let us see people healed this week, Lord, in our church community and beyond. Let us pray for those that are sick and see healing. Let us see salvation, Lord, of many. Let us see churches go out from this, uh, from this church uh, in, the, in the years to come. Let us see many churches that would say, oh, it started at Hope Church. It started in Ipswich of all places. And now we're starting this up in this city or this town or this nation. I pray, Lord God, that we would have family all around the world because you, you do something within us that we might just believe you for great things. 
Lord, it's not an either or, it's a both and. We're believing you for big things here, to be a big blessing to our town here. We're believing you for the nations as well. Lord Jesus, help us, I pray. Help us to expect great things of you, King Jesus. Amen.